0: hi and welcome in approximately 84 a.d the roman empire was looking to unify the whole of the british islands and they hadn't quite unified the entire country there were still people that weren't under the rule of rome that were up basically in scotland and so as part of unifying it and giving rome the whole of the empire control there they had gone up to pursue taking over that part of the land and so the brits were up there and they were basically forced into confrontation because the roman empire was coming and tacticus took note of a speech that was given from the opposing the opposing sides, the, the opposing side at, at that time um and i think it's quite an interesting speech and so i'll read it here it's um Uh, who speaks to his troops just before they go to war in defence of their country. So, let's just get into it. He, Agricola, sent his fleet ahead to plunder at various points and thus spread uncertainty and terror and with an army marching light which he had reinforced with the bravest of the Britons and those whose loyalty had been proved during a long peace reached the Gripenian mountain which he found occupied by the enemy the britons were in fact undaunted by the loss undaunted by the loss of the previous battle and welcomed the choice between revenge and enslavement they had realized at last that the common action was needed to meet the common danger and had sent round embassies and drawn up treaties to rally the full force of their states already more than 30000 men made a gallant show and still they came flocking to the colours all the young men and those whose old age was fresh and green, famous warriors with their battle honours thick upon them. At that point, one of the many leaders, named Calgacus, a man of outstanding valour and nobility, summoned the masses who were already thirsting for battle and addressed them, we are told, in words like these. Whenever I consider the origin of this war and the necessities of our position, I have a sure confidence that this day and this union of yours will be the beginning of freedom to the whole of Britain. To all of us, slavery is a thing unknown. There are no lands beyond us, and even the sea is not safe, menaced as we are by a Roman fleet. And thus, in war and battle, in which the brave find glory, even the coward will find safety. Former contests in which, with varying fortune, the Romans were resisted still left in us a last hope of succour, inasmuch as being the most renowned nation of Britain, dwelling in the very heart of the country, and out of sight of the shores of the conquered, we could keep even our eyes unpolluted by the contagion of slavery. To us who dwell on the uttermost confines of the earth and of freedom, this remote sanctuary of Britain's glory has up to this time been a defence. Now, however... The furthest limits of Britain are thrown open, and the unknown always passes for the marvellous. But there are no tribes beyond us, nothing indeed but waves and rocks. And the yet more terrible Romans, from whose oppression escape and vainly sought by obedience and submission, robbers of the world, having by their universal plunder exhausted the land, they rifle the deep. If the enemy be rich... They are rapacious. If you be poor, they lust for dominion. Neither the East nor the West has been able to satisfy them. Alone among men they covet with equal eagerness, poverty and riches. To robbery, slaughter, plunder, they give the lying name of the empire. They make a solitude and call it peace. Nature has willed that every man's children and kindred should be his dearest objects. Yet... These are torn from us by conscriptions by the slaves elsewhere. Our wives and our sisters, even though they escape violation from the enemy, are dishonoured under the names of friendship and hospitality. Our goods and fortunes they collect for their tribute, our harvest for their granaries. Our very hands and bodies, under the lash and in the midst of insult, are worn down by the toil of clearing forests and morasses. "'Creatures born into slavery are sold once and for all "'and are, moreover, fed by their masters. "'But Britain is daily purchasing, "'is daily feeding her own enslaved people. "'And as in a household, "'the last comer among the slaves "'is always the butt of his companions. "'So we in a world long used to slavery, "'as the newest and most contemptible, "'are marked out for destruction.' We have neither fruitful plains, nor mines, nor harbors for the working of which we may be spared. Valor too and high spirit in the subjects are offensive to the rulers. Besides, remoteness and seclusion, while they give safety, provoke suspicion. Since then you cannot hope for quarter. Take courage. I beseech you, whether it be for safety or renown, that you are hold most precious. Under a woman's leadership, the brigandets, were able to burn a colony, to storm a camp, and had not success ended in uh, supineness, might have thrown off the yoke. Letters, then, fresh and unconquered people, never likely to abuse our freedom, show forthwith at the very first onset what heroes Caledonia has in reserve. Do you suppose that the Romans will be as brave in war as they are lic- licentious in peace? To our strifes and discords they owe their fame. They turn the errors of their enemy to the renown of their own army, an army which, composed as, it's, as it is of every variation of nations, is held together by success and will be broken up by disaster. These Gauls and Germans, I blush to say these Britons, who, though they lend their lives to the support of strangers' rule, have been its enemy longer than its subjects. You cannot imagine to be bound by fidelity and affection. Fear and terror there certainly are. Feeble bonds of attachment remove them, and those who have ceased to fear will begin to hate. All the incentives to victory are on our side. The Romans have no wives to kindle their courage, no parents to taunt them with flight. Man hath either no country or one for far away. Few in number, dismayed by their ignorance, looking around upon the sky, a sea, and forests which are all unfamiliar to them, hemmed in, as it were, and enmeshed. The gods have delivered them into our hands. Be not frightened by the idle display, by the glitter of gold and of silver, which can neither protect nor wound. In the very ranks of the enemy we shall find our own forces. Britons will acknowledge their own cause. Schools will be remembered remember past freedom. The other Germans will abandon them, as but lately did the Euseppe. Behind them there is nothing to dread, the forts are ungarrisoned, the colonies in the hands of aged men. What with disloyal subjects and oppressive rulers, the towns are ill affected and rife with discord. On the one side you have a general and an army, on the other tribute, the mines, and all the other penalties of an enslaved people. Whether you endure these forever, or instantly avenge them, this field is to decide. Think, therefore, as you advance to battle, at once of your ancestors and of your posterity. And speech. This speech was um, obviously written down. And the funny thing, it was written by the son-in-law of the opposing general. So I don't know how he got this, or whether it was passed down, or word of mouth, or he actually heard it. Um but uh, it was Tacticus who actually wrote it, who's quite famed. Um, I think just an incredible speech, really. Um, we, we have uh, the people. I mean, it's, it's the, the age-old story of oppression coming and that they have to fight them off. I mean, there's so many great lines throughout this whole thing. They they make a desert, you know what I mean, call it peace. Um, you know, at once you, you think of your ancestors and of your posterity as you go out to battle. It's an amazing speech. Um, and when I think about these kind of speeches, all I can think of is, well, first of all, it blows my mind that this scene happened, that these people had to wait for the great Roman Empire as they sat and tried to think of their own families and their own lands and how to protect them. And that this happened, this, this battle happened and we're reading about it. And that fascinates me that that's a reality it also makes me think how do i on a on a day-to-day basis how do i apply the lessons learned here because there's something to learn from a speech like this and you know that you know in a day-to-day level if if i'm thinking about okay so how how can this help me in my day-to-day life well there's a lot of ways that it can but i'd say the one that probably stands out the most um is the fact that no matter um no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what's going on, there has to be a way to rile yourself up to meet the challenge. Even if the challenge is to be lost, there has to be a cause that pushes you to make that happen. And there's a motivation that that he has managed to grasp, which is the protection of their own lands, the the safety of their family. And I think that cause is something that is universal and something that everybody can use when needed, when you're looking at trying to get that little extra something. I think the speech um, uh, is quite a powerful one when you put it in the context and the situation that they're under and the stress and the difficulty and that the thing these, able, these people are able to, to go up against. Now, here's the thing is they actually lost the, they lost the battle, unfortunately, for them um and you know rome was able to then say that they able to unite the islands although they didn't really because a lot of them scattered off and were a constant pest um and who wants to go up to scotland fighting the scots the britons and the scots up there you know so it was always a problem for them so no one really got a full conclusion at the end of this but um as far as the history books are concerned the romans won the war uh, the battle sorry let's say Um, All right, guys. Well, look, I really appreciate you coming in. I I enjoyed the speech. Um, There's a a lot to be learned from uh, history, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Until next time, have a good one.